What's up, everybody? Y'all been having a good week? This is the first, beginning of the weekend of spring break for Knox County, and what a way to start, right? And it's like the weekend that you spring forward, and I was like, there's nothing about spring that makes sense about this weekend. Freezing outside, but it's all good. It was 12 degrees when I left my house this morning. 12 degrees, well, according to my truck. I don't know how accurate it is, but we are in week five of our walk through the book of Ephesians, and we spent some time talking about the first couple of weeks about our position in Christ, how we are children of God, we are heirs to the throne, like we sit with him in glory, not because of anything we have done, but because of everything that he has done, because as Ephesians 2 would, if you remember, says we were dead in our trespasses and sins, and can dead people do anything about their self? No, no, they can't clean themselves up. But what do we, what will we often try to do, right? We try to do a lot of good things to make ourselves look better, but it's just as good as spraying perfume on a corpse. Eventually, it's still going to stink. You with me? Like, we can try to cover up our stankiness all we want to, but it's like the other day, we, had, we went on a field trip with a bunch of eighth graders, and we walked around UT campus, and it was hot, and people got sweaty, armpits running, and they didn't go wash their armpits. They just put deodorant over their stinky old armpits. I'm like, that's not how it works. It's going to seep through and smell worse. You know what I'm saying? But that's what we try to do with our lives, isn't it? We, we try to cover up all this bad stuff with some better, well, supposed better stuff. But I don't know if you remember, but if I will just say your righteousness is as filthy rags. I mean, it's still dirty. It's still dirty. So, but, but the great, good news about the gospel is that in our can't, in our, in our lack of ability to clean ourselves up, we have the cross of Christ who cleans us up. It, 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 the cross saves us from our sin. It, through the cross, we are redeemed. In our can't, he did. It was him that made a way. And last week we said, and we started this response, like how should we respond to the great news that is the cross? That The great news that he has positioned us, like what is our response? Not that it's based on our works, because if it was based on our works, we would never make it, right? That's pretty much what the writer of Hebrews would say, that the law, like the law was to show us our sin. And since the law was not able to really save us, we had to have a Savior who came to save us. Right? So, so what is our response to this, re, this redemption? How should we walk? Well, we said first that this should change the way that we interact with each other as fellow believers. Right? Because we treat each other like crap. Let's just be honest. And what I said is that we should always err on the side of, of belief for our brothers and sisters. Never be against our brothers and sisters, even if you disagree with them. And I disagree with a lot of people. But we should always err on the side of being for, not against, our fellow brothers and sisters, which includes those who get on your nerves. Hello. And so we talked about that was the first thing, our first response is it should change the way because we are known by our love for each other. And if we're not, I think the biggest issue why people have issues with church that's out there in the world is not because they don't believe, it's because of us and how we treat each other. Why would they want to be a part of a family that treats each other so poorly? But today, I'm titled today, and it's very clever. It's so clever. I think this is the best title I ever came up with. Get to walk in part two. It's like, what am I going to call this week? Well, get to walk in part two. There we go. There we go. Today's get to walk in part two. But 
we first have to change. We first have to walk in a way that we treat each other fairly and respect and honor. We have to be for each other. But the bottom line of last week and really this week is this. Our response should be going beyond what is right to do. Going beyond what is right to do to that which is pleasing to Christ. Go beyond what is right to do to do which is pleasing to Christ. This is why in chapter 4, we're going to cover the second part of chapter 4 today, but it begins with this verse. And it's a scary verse if you think about it. But it's also a freeing verse. He says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. How are you walking? How are you walking, really? Are you walking in a manner worthy of the gospel? This isn't talking about perfection, or, but it is talking about excellence. Are you walking in the best way that you can? Are you, what, what, does, does your walk match your lips? Does your life match your lips? Is what you say God has done for you, is it reflected in the way that you live your life? And if not, maybe we need to, one, check our heart. One, because maybe we don't really have what we say that we have. Or two, we have what Revelation talks about, we have lost our first love. And we need to get back to that first love. So last week we said our response within the body of Christ. And now what does it look like to walk this life out in the world? What does Jesus mean in John when he says, John 15, 9, that John recorded, he said, if, if you were to give your allegiance to the world, they would love and welcome you as one of their own. But because you won't align yourself with the values of this world, they will hate you. I have chosen you and taken you out of the world to be mine. What does Jesus mean by that? What does Jesus mean by that? Before we get to the second half of Ephesians, though, to understand that, I believe we have to also look at a letter that he wrote to the church in Colossians. In 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians this is a response. This is Paul responding to a letter that was written to him. In 2 Corinthians 15, 17, he says, Therefore, we have to understand this. We have to understand our position. That's why the first three chapters of Ephesians is about our position in Christ. So we have to understand this, that you're not who you used to be. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And if you're new, you don't go back to old. Right? How can you be something new but put on old self. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You are brand new. You have a fresh start with Jesus. No matter how many times the enemy tries to convince you otherwise, you are not who you used to be. And I thank God for that. In the Christ, we have a reset, a start over. It's, it's as simple as this. God doesn't want you to act like someone you're not because you're not that anymore. He wants you to act like who he says you are. He wants you to act like who he says you are. And he says you are a child of God. You are a new creation. New creations, new things don't work with a broken mindset or with a broken mentality. So picking up where we left off last week in Ephesians 4, starting in verse 17, he says, with the Lord's authority. With whose authority? 
Lord. So he's not speaking of he's not speaking of his own authority, even though Paul probably could, right? With the Lord's authority, I say this: live no longer as the Gentiles do, or what this what he, this would really mean in our context today, because Gentiles were known as outsiders. Right? They were known as those who were not part of God's people. He would say this, with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the rest of the world does. For they are hopelessly confused. Have you watched the news lately? <laughs> Have you looked at the politics lately? Have you looked at, and I'm not saying pick sides here, because I'm just saying it's all screwed up, no matter who's behind the podium. You with me? With the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer like the rest of the world does, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. Hello. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't, but that isn't what you learned about Christ. That's interesting, isn't it? It's funny that that how often I'm gonna, I'm pausing here for a minute. I know I'm not. I gave her some. Hey, we if you see this, that's probably where I'm gonna stop. But I'm stopping a little early because he, here's here's the crazy thing is most of us are like, man, I want to get deeper, 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 and deeper. But you can't do the simple things that you already know about Christ. Take me deeper, Derek. Give, give me some of that theology, doctrine, and stuff you learned in school. You aren't ready. If you can't walk right, you won't be able to think right. Most of us in this room grew up in church. Most of us. Learning about the things of Christ, knowing right from wrong, but we fail to acknowledge it. We have hardened our heart to the truth. One one reason or another, most likely because we don't we want to do what we want to do. Because it's all about free will. I'll live in America. Do what do what you've learned about Christ. It's simple. Walk in truth. But isn't but that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus. And here's another little scary. I'm sorry. She's doing this first time doing this, and I'm already messing her up. Here's, here's the... No, I'm not going to go there. Since you have heard about Jesus, oh, I will. You do know you're going to be held accountable for what you knew and didn't do. Do you really want to stand before Jesus one day and him go, well, you knew this, why didn't you do it? Like, what's your answer going to be? Well, I just wanted to live my life. I gave up mine for you. The least you can do is walk right. The least you can do is walk right. Sorry. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, love this. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life. So this tells us, I'm sorry, this tells us that you can rid yourself of that no matter how hard it is. Like, I get addiction's hard, I get these things are hard, but it is possible for you to throw it off, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Throw off your old sinful nature and, and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. 
there, so here's, here's what Paul is saying. And I'm more, it's the, I like the way Spurgeon, Spurgeon's one of my favorite people to read, but I love the way Spurgeon, I think, I think he put it best. He, this is what Paul is saying. There should be as much difference between the world and the Christian as between hell and heaven. That's a, that's a big difference. <laughs> big. Big. There should be a stark difference between you and the rest of the world. But I'm gonna need, I need to put a little caveat here. Not because you're better. Because you're not. <laughs> Have you seen yourself? You stink. Not because you're better, but because of whose you are. You are not of yourself anymore. You are a new creation. You have taken off the old. Get off your high horse. It goes on. Paul goes on to say. Talking about the rest of the world. Their minds are full of darkness. You see that, right? And it's not, it's not their fault. It's not their fault. They are being deceived by our enemy. Because of their sinful nature, they're blinded from the truth. That's why Scripture talks about that God has to seek after us. We don't seek God. That God wasn't lost. So that whole thing of, I found Jesus. No, you didn't. No. If you remember back at, back at the beginning of Romans and this, like no one seeks after God. No one does. God seeks after us first. He gives us the faith to even believe in him. That's how good he is. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. This is what you were called out of. This is what you were called out of. So I want to pause here for a minute and just say, and I'm, this may be a little freeing for some people, but we need not expect anything else from the world than this. Like, why do we act surprised when a song comes out or a law gets put into place that is morally and ethically against what we believe? Like, why are we so surprised? Well, they quit putting in God we trust on the Tennessee license plate. Are you really surprised? Like, you got to request it now. Oh, my God, what's the world coming? Like, I, it didn't surprise me. Like, we get so bent out of shape because we, we expect the rest of the world to act like Christians, and they're not. So that frees you up to be not to worry about it anymore. It frees you up that when you go to start reaching people, not to expect them to line up with what you say. That's kind of the point. We want to get them from here to here. If they're already there, then woo, we're good. You know what I'm saying? But even most of us can't get it right. You with me? And I'm not surprised about that either. That's in my own life, you know what I'm saying? So here's, here's the point. Stop expecting, expecting non-believers to act like believers. Period. That's freeing. Don't be surprised. And just give you a heads up, if you read prophecy about the end of the, time, end of the times, it's going to get worse. Just saying. So quit acting surprised. Your surprise is over. Okay? Keep going. Ephesians 4.20. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. 
since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Most of us are, refuse to allow the Spirit to do that. I like where I'm at. I like to be a little dirty and a little holy. You know what I'm saying, Jesus? Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. The phrase throw off comes from this Greek word, exformonia, exfortimonia, which literally means to purge yourself. Anybody ever watch The Purge? Good, we're all holy in here. Good, we're good. If you have, repent, I'm just kidding. Whatever. Nah! It literally means to purge yourself, to empty yourself, to drain yourself of this. To kill it inside of you. To kill it inside of you. Because you will never reach what Christ has for you if you don't leave your old self behind. If you don't purge yourself from that. In fact, if I could, if I could read one more thing from Spurgeon, because he's pretty blunt about it, this is going to hit, hit a little hard. This is what he said one day to his congregation. He said, let me ask you, how many atheists are now in this house? I just imagine... Big burly man looking around, nobody raising their hand because who dares answer that question in the middle of church, right? Perhaps not a single one of you would accept the title, he says. And yet, if you live from Monday morning to Saturday night in the same way as you would live if there was no God, you are practically an atheist. Does your life look different than the rest of the world? And if it doesn't, according to Spurgeon, you're practically an atheist. See, here's what, here's what Paul says about putting on the new self. I think sometimes we can get a little confused. It's not about behavioral modification. It's about living with a new heart. You with me? Like there's a difference between, oh, I messed up on Monday... But I'm seeking after God and I'm repentant and I apologize. But to live our lives in a way that is, because I'll be honest, I grew up, grew up in church and whether they intended it or not, I believed, uh, it was, uh, for a long time I believed I had to act in a certain way and do a certain things for God to love me. Behavioral modification, this is what you don't do. Whether that was the intent or not, I don't know. But, I never really, not saying they did, and I don't remember them talking about living with a new heart. Like, what does living with a new heart mean? It always struck me like when I would mess up, when I would lie, when I would do these things, when I would do like I would always think, well, God's mad at me now because my behavior isn't right. In reality, if I would just get my heart right. Because here's the deal. When we do this, when we live contrary to the way the rest of the world lives what they deem what what they deem as right what they say is good it will seem it seems a little crazy and it's understandable 
like to the outside world, living a certain way will does seem crazy, even to some of us who are believers, when other people are trying to strive and live what the way God wants us to live, it comes across a little bit crazy. The, you know, the world promote, promotes the old nature, and sometimes we promote the old nature. Sleep with whoever you want to. It's okay for the, for the pastor's kids to sleep with their boyfriends and girlfriends, but it's not okay for that, for that person to sleep with another man. You get what I'm saying? Like, we, we, we promote certain things, and we, we rag on some things, and we, we, we say, well, that's okay, we'll push... Turn our turn our eye to this, but we we're gonna fight this and like sleep with whoever you want to live live for yourself. What pleases that's what 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 pleases you do that. But but sometimes I wonder what would happen if we as believers said, you know what, we're just going to live in the crazy for a minute. We're gonna live in what I mean. We're gonna look at what the world deems as crazy. We're gonna live there for a minute. We're going to live in, the, in a way that, that because of our faith, we said we believe God has better for us than what this world has to offer. That's why we're living different. What, what's, and I didn't put this in the note section up there, but I probably should have. What's, I love what, what this one other pastor said. He goes, what's crazy in one season is faith in the next. What will look crazy to the rest of the world if we lived in a way that's opposite of the way the world promotes? It will seem crazy in one season, but faith, but it'll look like faith in the next. We'll start saying stuff like, I believe God has someone special for me, so I'm going to wait. I believe, God said, I believe God says do this with my money, so I'm going to do that because I trust him. I'm going to pour myself out for others because he has called me to be generous. And that's how I'm going to be filled up. And that's how I'm going to be filled up. We're going to live opposite of the way the world is promoting. It's going to seem crazy. It's going to seem like, like they're, going, we're going, they're, going to call, they're going to call us Bible thumpers. They're going to call us holier than thou. Like they're going to name cause. But you know what? We believe that God is, what God has called us to is so much better than what this world has to offer. So the question becomes, what does it look like to, to live, to leave our old self behind and live as a new creation, as Paul's saying here? As our response, because we're all, like, this isn't to save us. This is our response to, to already being saved. That's 1 through 3, chapters 1 through 3. This is our response. So don't hear me say, for God to love you, we're going to, you have to do what he says. No, 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 he loves you. That's the whole point of chapters 1 through 3 and the gospel. You with me? So what does it look like to leave our old self behind and live in the new? And here's what Paul says. He says in Ephesians 4, 25, he says, Stop telling lies. Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth. For we are all part of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. If you're mad at somebody, don't go to bed tonight still mad at them. Call them up. Talk it out. Why? Why is that important? Here's why. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good, hard work. And then give generously to others in need. So work hard and give it away. (laughs) 
but I, but I really want that new pair of shoes. Buy the shoes, but you better buy a second pair for somebody else. You with me? I mean, that's just an idea. Maybe this one's a hard one. This next one. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. <laughs> Some of us just... It's like eating a bar of soap. I remember calling my dad a butthole when I was in, in uh, when I was little, and mom shoving a bar of soap in my mouth. What that's a thing. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He has put His seal on you. Ooh, a seal that can't be broken, by the way. A seal on you, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. The day of Christ, if you're a believer, like, beautiful. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. You want to live right? Do that. It's simple. Simple. What well, seems simple on paper, right? Or on the screen. Here's the great news. We're going to fail at many of those things, a lot of those things on a daily basis, right? Somebody's going to make us mad in traffic. We're going to flip them off, whatever, you know what I'm saying? So we're going to do, like, we're going to fail at those, but the great news is, is that we have this little phrase. It doesn't get, warn us to be able to go out and do whatever, but it says that the Holy Spirit has placed His seal on us. He has put guaranteeing our salvation on the day of redemption or the day of the Lord or the day that Christ returns. So even in our mess ups, he goes, I got you back. Just fix it. Fix it. Because he knows your innermost being. He formed you in, his mother, in your mother's womb. He knew before you were born just how screwed up you would be and he still says, you're mine. In fact, I wonder, I'm not saying this is true because I don't think God does not ordain sin. So let me say this, but I wonder if some of those imperfections kind of get pushed a little bit so that our dependency would be on Him and Him alone. The great news is, no matter how much you fail at this walk, whether it be amongst ourselves as brothers and sisters in Christ or as how we relate to the world, we have this seal guaranteeing us our salvation on the day of redemption. That means we can walk out of here boldly, living our life for Christ. Because He's done all the work, all we have to do is step in it. And if we trip and fall, it's okay. Be bold. Take some chances. If you don't ever do anything that's bigger than you, then you don't ever step out in faith. So the question becomes, Hayden's really upset about something back there, you know. So the question becomes, how are you walking? Are you walking like this? Or are you walking like everyone else in the world? And if you're walking like everyone else in the world, maybe then we should start to question our allegiance, want our allegiance to God. 
Maybe it's, hey, I need to come back to God. Or maybe we can say, you know what, God, show me. I love you and I want to do better. Show me where I'm wrong. And he'll show you. Trust me. I've learned in the last year, a little over a year, to be careful what you pray for. Be careful what you pray for. God, give me one of those size-up moments. Give me something to take a big risk, like cause me to take a big risk because you're a big God. And he goes, here's Jackson Hayden. Uh, I should have waited a couple more years to pray that one, you know? Be careful what you pray for. But when he does give you what you pray for, it'll end up being the biggest. But ask him, what's my next step? What's my next step in my walk? And step out and do it. Walk out there on that branch kind of the point of faith not stepping out in uncertainty stepping out in something that God, you know God has called you to you may be uncertain of your I may be uncertain of myself and things right but I'm never uncertain in the God who has called me so I may that limb may break but guess what I'm going to do I'm going to climb back up that tree and step out on another one I'm going to keep on a walking until I find it God, I pray God, I pray that as we sing one more song that we live in a way that that we begin to live in a way that's bold and courageous because of who you are. God, my prayer is show me where I have done wrong. Show me things in my life that I need to fix. So I can walk in a manner worthy of the gospel in which I was called. God, I pray that for the hearts of those in this room and those that will be listening online purify our hearts that you wrote this story for us so that we may walk in it Ephesians 2.10 says for you are Christ's workmanship or you are Christ's poem created in God for good works that we may walk in them God, I pray we begin at this moment to start walking in. I pray this in your name. Amen.